0: Hello and welcome back to The Beacon, a podcast brought to you by Oxford International Relations Society. I'm your host Zoe Hodge and this week we are taking a look at Brazil, a country that emerged from a military dictatorship in the mid-1980s to secure a liberal, democratic and prosperous society under the direction of Lula da Silva, famed leader of the Workers' Party or PT. Recently, however, the country has been rocked by a corruption scandal exposing dozens of politicians involved in bribery with some of the biggest companies in Brazil. Known as the car wash or petrobras scandal, the public outrage enhanced by an economic recession has led to the impeachment of the President Dilma Rousseff and an ongoing criminal investigation. But before we examine that, let's turn to Dr Diego Sanchez-Ancochea, an associate professor in the political economy of Latin America here at Oxford. He gives us a quick overview of Brazil's economic situation until the recent upsets.
1: So so I think Brazil has been called for many years the country of the future because um, it had so much promise in terms of uh, its geography, in terms of its agriculture, in terms of how it, much it had grown, in terms of the people, etc. That it was um, then interesting that for a long time, because of all kinds of problems, that promise was only materialized at times so the 1970s for example were a period of very very high growth but with uh, a lot of inequality so it was almost a promise but not really the promise Um, and also institutionally it was always a a country with a lot of problems so then suddenly you arrive to the 2000s you have a new government um, winning the election and then you have the commodity boom so things being much better in Latin America in terms of Uh, the price of commodities and how much money countries were getting from that, and Brazil starts doing extremely well. Um, And if you link that to the fact that it was always considered the economy and the country of the future, then it was almost like the future was materializing finally. Um, And I think that there was that sense of sufficient amount of things are changing that we should be optimistic, um, and this was not just the economy, which obviously was growing, but the fact that a new left-wing government was being elected, the fact that poverty went down very significantly, that inequality, for the first time, was also going down, uh, meant that it just seemed that it was a new, um, a new beginning, almost.
0: I next rang up Leonardo Cazes, a journalist for O Globo, a premier conservative leading newspaper based in Rio de Janeiro. Here he is talking about the recent corruption scandal. He refers to it as the car wash scandal, so named after the initial police investigation that led to the uncovering of the larger crimes. He also mentions Odebrecht, an engineering conglomerate, and Petrobras, the state-run petrol company. Both were heavily involved in bribing government officials to secure lucrative contracts.
2: In the, the Rousseff case, what happens, in my opinion, is that you have the car wash investigation that's a huge investigation on leaders and bodies, and a lot of people, like 100 politicians, is inv- under investigation. Our wash investigation, I think it start, started in uh, 2013, and it was like a small investigation based on a not so important city in Brazil, Curitiba, but it's like they get some clues of some crimes and just start to investigating and discovering a huge scheme uh, of especially in the, in the oil and gas sector in Petrobras I think you can understand the car wash start to discover a huge corruption system that involves state-run companies and the private sector especially like the construction firms engineering firms or the of this, there are really big companies in Brazil, big companies, so the Breach has, I think, like 50,000 employees. You have like the state-run companies, directors, you have the private sector that pay the directors, get contracts, and, and you have politicians that the, the directors was uh, were indicated by the politicians. And part of the money is to the political. As I
0: understand it, Petrobras um, is a government-run company, um, and therefore, um, actually, politicians had uh, rather a lot of control over who did run the company <laughs> and actually uh, used that power in a bad way.
2: It's like a part-state, because the state has 51% of the shares. The president of Brazil have the authority to nominate the president of Petrobras, and the president of Petrobras nominates the directors. But it's not, it's not like that. The pre- you you have a pre- president, but the president of Petrobras don't have like autonomy to nominate the directors. No. There is a lot of political pressure to nominate directors for Petrobras because they it's a really big company that runs a lot of money, yeah. a lot of contracts, a lot of opportunities of corruption.
0: Yeah,
2: it's the car wash. Is about that.
0: You're saying that then it's not. I mean, Petrobras is um, government run, but it's actually more. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's like more of a state run. So in fact, um, all of the parties are therefore implicated in some way, shape, or form. You know, they all have the hands slightly dirty. Yeah. Is that is that what the general population of Brazil sees it as, or do they see it as very yeah. much a the Workers Party problem? No, 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 no. We, all the corrupt,
2: the corruptions of all, is in all places. It's like it, it, it's, it's not. Uh, we think that Petr, Petrobras is like a. For for Brazilian Petrobras, it's really it's it's a reason of proud, a national proud, mm. and that's really complicated. When when the corruption, when we when we see corruption Petrobras in that scale of corruption, that's really it hurts it hurts the Brazilians because Petrobras is like the our state-run company with a. Beautiful history. It's like the dream of the fathers that like my son goes to Petrobras and be an engineer of Petrobras. It's like it's like the, the dream of the families. You know, I have a, a cousin that that works in Petrobras. It's like really hard to enter the company. When he, he got in the company, was like, oh my God, my Francisco is in Petrobras right now, and really. <laughs> it's kind of a waste relation perception of the public is like all the parties are involved all the parties are corrupted all the politicians are corrupted today the the people in brazil don't believe in politicians
0: leonardo goes on to explain how ingrained corruption is in brazil
2: corruption has a long history in brazil mm-hmm. just from the beginning when the portuguese arrived here right here and it starts with, with them corruption is a huge problem we have some difficult with the idea of public space or public sphere. We don't have a line between the the private sphere and the public sphere. They are always merged. And this this is where the corruption starts. Give to you an example. I have a problem with my car, something of a lack of documentation. So I have a friend that works in the uh, Department of Transport of Rio. So I call my friend, oh, can you help me with that, you know, like, not the formal way, but the informal way. And for the Brazilians, it's not corruption. You know, if you don't go through the formal way, you go to the informal way. Like I have a friend, I know somebody, I know someone who can help, uh, help you with this problem and it's happened all the time, you know?
0: But this scandal has taken place within the larger crisis of economic recession as felt throughout the world to varying degrees in different schedules since 2008. Let's check back with Dr. Sanchez-Ancochea on how Brazilian society has reacted to the economic developments both abroad and at home.
1: I think it's a combination of um, international conditions being more important than we thought about them, uh, the, uh, the success and the fact that now they have changed so dramatically and be the fact that maybe solving some of the uh, struggles and um, conflicts within society in Brazil was going to be more painful and more slow than we thought.
0: Yeah, because as I understand um, Brazilian politics, and I'm absolutely no expert whatsoever, <laughs> um, but it's quite divided. Um, And we talk about, I think, uh, in in the UK, about polarisation as being a sort of um, recent-ish thing Mm -hmm. where people kind of fighting each other on on the middle-class liberal elites versus Mm -hmm. the people. Mm -hmm. Um, But in Brazil, it seems to have been going on uh, for a longer time. And just from what I've been reading, uh, it's divided on very much economic lines Mm -hmm. with the uh, amount of inequality, financial, economic inequality, Mm -hmm. and a racial inequality, Mm -hmm. apparently, in Brazil. Do you think the polarisation has got so much worse or is that always being it's, like that? It's
1: a great question. So um, economic polarization was always very large, right? So uh, Brazil is with South Africa and a few other countries, one of the most unequal countries in the world. And that just means that um, while this this coefficient that we use, the Gini coefficient to measure inequality is only 0.3 in many European countries, it's 0.5, 0.6 at the worst times in uh, brazil so it's a it's a it has always been a very very difficult uh problem what was unique about the 2000s is that precisely that was changing Uh, and that was changing at a time where economic growth was happening at the same time so it seemed for the first time that you could reduce inequality without creating a lot of political polarization that you could have the best of both worlds and of course when things change it just turned out that that was Less the case that there was a lot of people from the middle class and the rich that were less happy than we thought about the very progressive and good changes that the country was experiencing.
0: Okay, because I got I got the impression that um, uh, Lula da Silva um, was is not necessarily was not necessarily the uh, socialist revolutionary that he was under the military dictatorship, um, and that actually uh, in terms of Brazil be a sort of commodities um, based and, and exporting mm-hmm. a country of, of of beef and oil um, that he became um, what in this country we would term kind of a bolarite mm-hmm. <laughs> from our perspective, um, a politician or kind of um, being very much uh, for for the people still, um, but whilst courting uh, the big business. Uh,
1: it was very much a third way. It was very much about redistribution in the margins. But that was very substantial at the moment where you were growing to change the lives of millions of people so um people for the first time bought the first car people for the first time were uh, flying from one part of brazil to another airports were full of uh people that were not there before but at the same time you are very it's totally true that the one percent the richest one percent were doing nearly as well as before the problem is there was well the problem there was uh, people in the upper middle class and, and, and the almost rich but not totally rich, that suddenly they found themselves sharing airports with many other people. And that, for you and I, is not a problem. It's a natural thing. But actually led to more of the implicit and hidden social conflicts than when things became politically and economically more difficult have clearly emerged. And that was very clear in the protest last year against Dilma where parts of the upper middle class just went to the streets trying to get rid of the PT.
0: Brazil's talked about as kind of a really huge success for democracy, mm-hmm. huge democratic success, um, you know, a very, very young democracy in terms of 30 years, well, it's relative, isn't it? Mm-hmm. But um, One that was actually non-violent, in, largely, uh-huh. in the way that it um, changed, uh-huh. and one that was able to sort of shed um, dictatorship, in a way and, and transition, apparently, uh, successfully,
1: we love to talk about huge changes and miracles, not just you, but the press. And th- 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 what we need to remember is that changes take place always slowly in most places, right? And uh, so if I can rephrase your question is, yes, Brazil used the democratic institutions and the victory of the PT to slowly make the country more redistributive than before, more inclusive than before. There's very little doubt about that. But the problem is that change was a less dramatic economically you were saying it before very well the model the economic model didn't change a lot it was still based on natural resources etc and much less on manufacturing goods so that changed a little and then b the social composition the social uh, institutions the, the culture of inequality maybe takes more time than we thought to change so i think it's a combination of Yes, democracy led to more incorporation, but at the same time, the inability to to change the economy on the one hand, and now the realization that discrimination and social behavior changes much more slowly, means that there are now much more tensions than we thought there would be.
0: Mr. Carzez has another reading on quite why Brazil is suffering so much at the moment.
2: So, it's like the call here is like the perfect storm. <laughs> yeah, it's the perfect storm, it's like Brazil is like that. It's not that we are in recession, it's not just one factor. It's still, Lula, a really famous sentence about the international crisis in 2008. In Brazil, the international crisis, it's not a tsunami, it's a small wave. And they believed that yeah. for a long time. When they realize what's, going, what's happened, it's too late. I think that's a problem. About the international crisis, so you have like the most dynamic sector of the economy, the oil and gas sector is in crisis because of corruption and investigations. You have a lot of disemployment because a lot of people getting fired in this sector. So it's all at the same time. But when when this happened, what happens to, it's like the the government, the, the taxes were going down. Like all the, the, all the sectors of the economy are... are I'm not performing. So you have a crisis fiscal, you have debts, have all of that. So you get it. It's really a perfect storm in the economy.
0: So how has this affected everyday Brazilians? I caught up with Ana Paula cota a mechanical engineering student in Espírito Santo, a state right on the coast. She talks about how the economic depression is affecting her life.
3: But right now that I'm in college, trying to find like internships, Ooh. something like that, it's like... Right now, for me, I can see it and I can feel it, you know, I really can. But, and it's not good. Because I can, I'm like in the middle of the the university right now. And for the ones that are almost finishing, it has been really hard to find some internship or some job. So we can feel it every day, we can.
0: What is her opinion on current politics then?
3: And about the works party. They did fight against the di- dictatorship. They got really famous because of it. Nowadays, their image is totally dirty. They are really in a bad, like looking, for us. Like, it doesn't look good. But they have a lot of, uh, like supporters that are really radical. Like, they really like, come on, F, like they are not wrong. They are right. You guys that I think you're wrong. Like, Brazil is divided. Mm. I can tell you that Brazil is divided. The North, that is a little bit more poor, and then this, the South part. Yeah. Like, when Dilma won her election last time, everybody talked about the two Brazil to be apart, from the North and the South part. Yeah. And that was like a real deal for us. Didn't happen, it didn't want, and what not happened, But it's sad, you know, like, everybody is like fighting against
0: each other. Anna has even more pressing problems, however. The police force of Espíritu Santo have gone on strike in an effort to get a wage increase they were promised two years ago.
3: What is happening in my city right now? Mm -hmm. They are stealing from stores that are closed because everybody's afraid. So the stores, the malls, nothing's open. So normal people, they are just like entry and stealing the stuff you know and it's ridiculous just because the real thieves are there they go together steal wherever they want to and then go home and anything happen it's still like the same <laughs> and you see videos of that like in 2 or 3 days 75 people were, were killed 75 in like 2-3 days like doesn't even make sense you are in a horror movie <laughs> and we don't have any expectation for this to finish. So,
0: But, but why are the police striking?
3: Um, Because they want, like, better salaries and they deserve it. They really deserve it. But it's not that easy because, like, we are passing through a really difficult time and we can't just, like, the government from my state can't just, like, oh, OK, we're going to raise your salary and it'll be fine. Yeah. No, it's really hard. We need to take a conversation, but for the cops, the police to do strike is illegal. So their families is in front of the place they work and blocking them to going out, like to go into the streets, to go into help people. Hmm. So their families are the ones that are doing the strike in the name of them.
0: That I mean, that's affecting you on a day-to-day basis.
3: Yeah, that's affecting us for sure. Like, I'm not I didn't go out home since Friday night. And this Thursday, right? yeah, it's Thursday.
0: So you've been so, in your uh, in your room for...
3: In, no, my home, yeah, yeah. In your yeah, home. My apartment.
0: For, for a week.
3: Everything stopped. Like, my course didn't start because of it.
0: So, so what have so you been the, doing for a week? Just just.
3: I'm so bored. I in the computer on the cell phone. Gym is closed as well, so I just... Like run on on the pool part of the my building, do something like it, like that. So, but I'm really bored. I can't handle it anymore. I'm really afraid that it's going to that other state's are going to do the same. Because, like, imagine if Rio de Janeiro do that, does that? It's like oof, a huge problem.
0: Yes. Yeah.
3: It, I think it's oh, it's much. I think it's much worse than here. Yeah. So it's gonna. I don't know, the government needs to do something, and needs to do something really fast.
0: So what do these crises mean for international relations? For this, I focus on Brazil's membership of the BRICS, the label for the group of supposedly emerging economies. Does this name mean anything in the era of recession? Again, we turn to Dr. Sanchez Ancochea, who had this to say about Brazil's geopolitical status.
1: So let me say a few things that, about that question, which is extremely interesting. The first is um, how meaningful the BRICS were. It has never been totally clear, right? <laughs> so this at the end is a, an expression coined by Goldman Sachs um, economist and an expression that never quite reflected um, any political project whatsoever. Yeah. I mean, it was more... Uh, at the end, almost uh, public relations more than anything. And in fact, of those four countries, while very few people have uh, any doubt that China is obviously a big success, uh, still, despite all the economic problems and political problems, the place of Russia and Brazil was always unclear, in the sense that they were primarily commodity exporters that were doing well because commodity prices were very high. Second is um, Brazil is not very dependent on trade um, because it's a big country. so um, so Brazil has never been a country that wants to sign a lot of agreements because it's just much much more oriented on exporting uh, commodities and you don't need and on developing your the domestic market. I think the place where um, the fact that Brazil is in crisis is tremendously sad is geopolitically and it's in the relations with Trump. So I have no doubt that a stronger Brazil would be extremely important to, do, to organize a better response from Latin America, for example, a closer relation between other Latin American countries and Mexico, um, and therefore responding by saying, look, uh, you are protectionist. Suddenly, this gives us the right to uh, be more independent in our policies, but also gives us the right to remind you all that we are a power. Uh, having a very weak Brazil has made that much harder and is very, very sad and very frustrating given that we need more powers against Trump.
0: Leonardo Cazes has a different approach to Brazilian protagonism on the world stage.
2: The protagonism of Brazil is important to see that. It's like this was a thing of Lula. It's that in the mind of Lula. and the government Lula that Brazil starts to get this protagonism and the economic boom helped to do that but it's not it's not like historical movement it's not like brazil all the brazilians want to be in the club of the most important nations of the world it's not like consensus in brazil that brazil wants to have a global voice we have some political line that think yes brazil is big brazil have to have to have a global voice have to have to be a protagonism in the global scenario and another no we just have to take care of our stuff
0: so to round up we come back to Anna and her thoughts on the future of our country.
3: We're passing through a really difficult time really difficult now. We, we just have hope yeah. and hope to be everything, be fine. And that you need to be optimist you can have an, you don't have another choice
0: so. <laughs> you don't have another choice. I like that yeah you don't
3: <laughs> yeah. you can do your like your, your job and do what you want do the right things that you think it is and still optimist.
0: In, in five years' time, where would you like to see Brazil? Who would you like to see in government? And what would be your main priorities?
3: I wouldn't like to see anyone that is in the government right now. The system to be clean five years from now. Damn, that's a lot. It's really difficult to, to think about going back to the normal life. We were the seventh on the economic situation in the world like six years ago. So I wish I could see that again. But not with the corruption that we had and still have. I think we have, we gonna be better. Like next year, we are gonna build ourselves again. <clears throat> but it's hard to say in five years. Is but we're gonna be better. That I can I can tell you, I'm sure that we're gonna be better.
0: Mr. Casares is decidedly less cheerful on the subject.
2: The corruption never ends.
0: But at that, would it still that be at this kind of
2: scale? corruption never ends. There, there, there will always be corruption. For the next 10, 20 years, we have leftist governments in Brazil. Conservative go- governments. Because the moral of the, the left, it's on the ground. For, for the people in Brazil, the left was like, there's a lot of hope in Lula. A lot of hope deposited in Lula. And it was a kind of betrayal. Oh, this story about corruption, it's a a betrayal.
0: In Brazil, they have this expression, ending in pizza. It basically means that nothing ever comes of corruption scandals. Instead of serving jail time, most of the one-fifth of congressional representatives that were implicated in the car wash scandal might well end up in dominoes if the saying is to be believed. What does Dr. Sanchez Ancochea think will be the consequences of recent events?
1: So, I think economically it's less meaningful in the sense that there will be not sharp changes in the model no matter who is there, but where there will be big changes in how much the government commits to social spending. Um, the current government has frozen uh, social spending. I don't think this is something that the PT could do. If the PT, if it's re elected in 2018, of course, will not be able to expand social spending nearly as fast as it did in the 2000s because the economic situation is much worse but still would try to protect as much as of the gains as possible well clearly this government is not
0: well, what are the chances though of, of pt winning in 2018
1: of winning the the congressional election very little but of winning the presidential quite a lot really I mean, well the the it all depends on whether their lula is convicted or not if he's not and he can run he's still a very popular politician and it wouldn't be surprising if he's elected president.
0: It depends if it ends in pizza or not. Totally.
1: Of... <laughs> it depends a lot on, as I say, on uh, what the judges decide to do. If he's convicted, he will not be able to run. Yeah. And a PT without Lula is unlikely to win.
0: <laughs> okay, okay, so he's still, he's still a figure then. He's yes, still totally,
1: totally. Respected
0: despite Absolutely. his possibly dirty rings. Yes. And with that, we round off our podcast this week. If you want to share your thoughts on this topic or think there's anything we've left out, we are accepting submissions to our blog at oxirsoc.com. Thank you so much to all our guests, Dr. Diego Sanchez-Ancochera, Mr. Leonardo Caziz, and Ms. Ana Paula Cotter-Berrigal, and to podcastthemes.com for our intro and outro music. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time, obrigado and ciao!